Hello everyone and welcome to episode 32 of Run Wild with Lauren and Bud. We're so glad you joined us today. Uh, This podcast is a great one. We have a special guest today. His name is Om Gandhi and I think you're just going to love hearing him talk and uh, what he has to say. So Ohm and I connected first over Instagram, which uh, is usually how runners get together these days. And uh, I just loved his story. And you will uh, hear how he uses ultra running to serve a higher purpose, something bigger than himself. Uh, He's managed to raise a lot of money for some very important charities. And so we kind of dive into that on this episode and we hear his story. I think you'll really enjoy it. I think you'll get a lot out of it. I know Bud and I enjoyed uh, getting to interview Ohm uh, just immensely. So sit back, take us on your long run, and here we go. Hey, Bud. Hey, Lauren. Uh, How's it going? Oh, it's great. We're a little bit behind on podcasting. It's 2022, and we're we're slacking a little bit, but... Today is going to be awesome. This episode is awesome because we're not alone. Uh, we have Ohm joining us for this podcast. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Lauren? How's it's it going, good. bud? Good. It's going it's good. Ohm Gandhi, right? Yeah, you got it. And how how can people find you on the on uh, uh, Instagram? Uh, that one is the Ohm Gandhi. It's D A U M G A N D H I. Awesome. And- we can actually link to that as well to help people kind of find it. But yeah, so I'm so excited to have you here today. We connected actually through Instagram. Um, and um, I think you have like such a cool story. I can't wait to hear it. I just know the little bits and pieces from Instagram and things we've chatted about briefly. Um, so yeah, so welcome to Run Wild with Lauren and Bud. We are totally slack this year, but this totally makes up for it because we get to interview <laughs> someone so awesome. Uh, okay, so before we dive in, tell us your running story. Like, how did you get started? Because you're kind of, you were you started running as an adult, right? Like, you weren't like, you know, some people start in childhood and they're always a runner. So tell us how you got started. Yeah, so absolutely no running based at all. I started, April is actually four years uh, okay. since I started. Uh, but before that, like, last kid on the track like 15 minute miles and really had no running base um i just went out one day just had some stresses in life and was just kind of looking for an outlet so i just went outside and i thought might as well just go and try to pick up running again or just some sort of jogging or running and i went out and i did like a quarter of a mile that day and i'll never forget it and i got sick and dejected and i just like walked the rest of the way home (laughs) And it's just been like from there, it's just been like one thing to another. I told myself I'd try to run for 30 minutes straight. I do a 5K, a 10K, half marathon, and it's just a rabbit hole from there. Yeah, I totally and, get that. Yeah. <laughs> and then along along the way, it's kind of like your fitness journey. You get more stamina. You start to lose weight you get a little bit faster and you start to like it more and it's that impossible challenge becomes like a sustainable good feel kind of challenge and so and then of course you meet a bunch of other morons who are out there running too 
And so you just kind of <laughs> get in with people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We have an amazing community and you're right about like the physical aspect of it too, because I had what I've had weight fluctuations throughout my life and I was 250 pounds when I was 18 and uh, basically pre-diabetic. I lost mm. all that, but it was kind of like an unhealthy, unsustainable, like really skinny loss. Gained all that weight back, uh, maybe to about 230. And then I picked up running again and back to about 170 now. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, but I kind of like felt... Health- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying it's kind of like a healthy, sustainable 170 instead of like super skinny. But that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, no, I get that because, you know, I think in our society, a lot of people equate skinny is healthy, overweight's not healthy, but really, you know, there's all kinds, it's a spectrum and you can actually be skinny and unhealthy. Like you said, it's, it's not yeah. a sustainable or maybe it's not a healthy weight. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say is it's kind of, it's funny because I feel like, cause you're an ultra runner and I feel like a lot of us arrive to ultra running kind of the same thing like it's a rabbit hole just like you said I kind of I kind of joke that the 5k is like the gateway drug and then the next thing you know you're running 100 miles in the mountains and and you're wondering (laughs) how it happened so I I love it when other people are like yeah you know I was just kind of that that's exactly how I started I ran like a quarter of a mile and it was really hard and yeah so that's so relatable because I get it yeah so when you were saying that you were encroaching on like um pre-diabetes and stuff and that was probably from being overweight but as you've lost weight that has all corrected itself right yeah oh yeah absolutely i'm uh in my life uh now i'm the healthiest that i've ever been i'm in the best shape of my life and just going back to what lauren said it has nothing to do with like how much i weigh or like how skinny i am or how big i am um it's there is no runner's like there's no true runner's body mm-hmm. like it just um it's just like finding running and finding this lifestyle through running that makes me mentally happy and um has helped me achieve these physical goals and have this lifestyle okay cool so now do i have this right cuz you have you have gone from your quarter mile you know, days of just beginning to run, you have completed like 300 milers, correct? Is that, am I right? Like, uh, so like two, so I did 200 miles, Zion Valley of Fire, and then I did a 72 hour race. Um, and then I went for Antelope this weekend. That was a DNF. Um, mm-hmm. I got Zion, my second Zion in four weeks. So I'm excited for that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you think about four years and here you are accomplishing all of this. That is really, truly amazing. And and it's, you know, a lot of people, I think listening, maybe don't run as much, maybe they're not ultra running. And then hearing someone's story, like, Hey, I started out just like everybody else, a quarter mile. I was mm-hmm. overweight, wasn't my healthiest. Um, and then here you are, like doing these amazing runs and getting ready to go do a lot more. Um, so I think that's really inspiring, and it's good for people to hear that. Like, you know, you're not some cross country, you know, collegiate runner. Like sometimes we think, oh, you know, 
if you had a background in running, it sets you up to be a, you know, able to do all this, but that's not true. And, and you, you know, you're a great example of that. So, well, I, I have to ask this question. Um, so your, your goals in doing these races is obviously going to be to, to finish them and have fun. And are, are you trying to get like personal bests every time you do stuff? Or are you trying to podium or are you just happy to just live life and do stuff? Oh, so I definitely do. I set like my personal goals for okay. how I go about races. Like I'll, I'm, I'm a type of person who likes to set goals that are like moonball goals. I'm like a Pisces. I'm a dreamer. So, uh, I, I set moonball goals and, you know, I just like go for it and I swing big and I fail big instead of winning small. Fail big. Uh, I love that. I, I'm I gonna like, start using a, that now. That, yeah, that's our new word. Fail yeah. big. I like fail that because I I'm similar. I like like might as well go big. I love that. Okay. <laughs> like like even with even with like Bigfoot, like yeah. um those the 70 miles that you did probably were like a growing experience compared oh, to like yeah. if you had 100 k you know. Oh yeah, totally different. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, that kind of experience, you know, even though it wasn't a finish. The, the actual experience I did have was just unlike anything else. And yeah, just, it's so amazing. So yeah, I love that fail big. I love that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the other thing is for me is ever since I've throughout my life, I've always been trying to do things for charity, whether it was like mm-hmm. environment charities or my collaboration with Richstone family for the last five, six years. Um, and then I read, a year ago, I read Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra, and he talks about racing for a higher purpose mm-hmm. or running for a higher purpose. And uh, Jay Shetty talks about it. And so I thought like, man, people would be, if people see this maniac running loops or like doing these runs around the mountain or something, they might be willing to donate a couple bucks or um, see that somebody is so passionate about a cause for something like uh child abuse and like mental health awareness, um, food insecurity, some of the issues that I work. Uh, so that kind of gives me that other motivating factor of like, I'm making the choice to do these things, but those people don't necessarily have a choice. Right, so let, yeah. let me give you an opportunity now to go back to that first charity. And why don't you plug them and just tell us everything you know about them. So that way people understand what they are how they can contribute and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. So Ritstone Family is an organization. It's like a small grassroots organization that is based in Los Angeles. Um, And they deal with child abuse. They deal with domestic violence. Um, They do it with an approach that's different from a lot of other organizations that deal with the same thing. Instead of kind of like separating the families and uh, separating the kids and the families, they have this process of adopting the entire family because there's this belief that like, I've always maintained even for my own parents, like I love them very much. And I know that they can only give you, they can only give you what they have themselves. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there is like, there's this, issue of like what they do is they deal with this issue at the roots by adopting the entire family and strengthening the entire family uh, the parents have dealt with their own generational trauma uh so they help them learn good habits uh they 
help the kids. They have like summer camps, school programs, help them with tutoring. I'm actually going over there next week to do homework with the kids. So that'll be fun. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't want to get too personal, but is there something that caused you to gravitate towards this charity? Um, for me, just uh, similar things that I've been through in my life. Um, and it's like, it's again, like your parents can only give you what they had, right? Um, right. For me, like in my family, uh, I think there's like a saying that goes something like, something about breaking like the cycle of generational trauma yes like, there's yes. one generation i don't know if you know the saying but some there's like the one generation that has to break the chains i feel like that was me in my family and it's through two-way relationship to through communication with my parents back and forth you know we built this bond where we've helped each other because they were very young when they had me mm-hmm. and um so you know just doing with those things in my life, um, I've kind of become, those issues are very personal to me because I help kids who've been through similar things, Mm -hmm. um, who come from similar income brackets. They work with kids in like low income brackets. Mm -hmm. Uh, the parents are essentially, they're essential workers. So it's hard for them to be spending time with their kids all the time. Um, so just doing with those things, uh, makes it extra personal for me. Yeah, thank thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I had actually, um, when we had first started talking about it, and I, I saw uh, that you had been partnering with them for so long, and I did, I went to check them out. And I'm telling you, it is, I was kind of blown away, um, and now I'm learning even more from you just speaking about them. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking, wow, if every city in America had an organization like that, like that approach of, like you said, adopting the whole family, helping fix the root causes, keeping families together, I think is phenomenal. Um, in my own life, I have a lot of experience with that. I, I am a mom to um, two kids who are adopted. And, you know, man, it's such a big issue, like you said, across, I mean, every city in America. Um, so I just think, like, what an amazing organization. Um, so you've been partnering with them for several years. You're still you know, volunteering with them, raising money. Um, so, so how can people donate to them, reach out to them, even if they're not like in the area, Los Angeles or in California? Um, so will, are you currently doing a fundraiser for them? Will you in the future? How's that work? Uh, so we currently actually did a fundraiser for them through my Across the Year 72-hour race. Okay. Uh, race. We uh, we went for twenty five hundred dollars and raised twenty six hundred dollars, so that was nice. awesome. Good. Yeah. Um, and so me always wanting to shoot moon balls, I decided why don't we do that ten times as much? Let's go for twenty five thousand dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm gonna do that with my all the races that I have this year. Um, okay. include the biggest one being the Moab two forty in October. Okay. Wow. Great. So, yeah. So I think for everyone listening, uh, we really encourage you to go follow Ohm and kind of check out some of these charities um, that he's going to be talking about today. Uh, Yeah, I think that's an amazing. I love that. Uh, It's absolutely kind of inspired me to be like, well, what what can I do with my running? How can I make it serve a higher purpose? So I think that's amazing. So I'll let you continue. (laughs) Um, So. 
A, uh, so normally I would start the fundraiser on Instagram, but I was actually talking to Ritstone and they're actually starting their own peer-to-peer like platform to donate money. Okay. So right now I'm taking like verbal, like I'm taking pledges right now. And that could be like, one-time pledges of money or like monthly. Like if you think about it, like if a person donates $5 from now until what is it, March, like the six months leading up to Moab, that's like $30. Mm -hmm. And if like you get 100 people to do that, 200 people to do that, that's that's like $3,000, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and, it adds up, yeah. And it's not even, it's not also that, it's also, it's if the person can't donate money, they can share the, mm -hmm. share the organization, share what they're doing. Because like you said, um, if every if every city in america or even places in the world had an organization like this yeah. um, or even knew an organization like this existed then they could even yeah. adopt ideas because it, it, you know like uh, i don't think that with charity like we should be competing against each other we're all just trying to make the world a better place so yeah. it's okay adopt ideas from each other and improve upon each other and constructively criticize each other so that we can you know just bring uh, hope and love to the world. Yeah, oh, I so agree with that. Yeah, I love that. I, I love the idea of sharing. So I kind of challenge like everyone who listens to our podcast right now, if you can't donate money or you're not able to do that, yeah, share the organization, share it because you're absolutely right. Um, at the very least, it could inspire other people who uh, are in a position to either help financially or you know, adopt those methodologies mm. to their own town, own programs. You know, who knows? You never know when you share uh, who is out there reading. Their own start raising yeah. money for their charity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like a domino effect. So, yeah. So, I challenge everybody listening. Go take a look um, and start sharing. Definitely. Yeah. And they're actually on Instagram, too. They're just, okay. uh, they, go by, uh, they go by Ridstone Family. Okay. Ridstone Family. Okay. Okay. And they can, you've got it, I think you have something on there on your Instagram as well that links to there, or you've got it mentioned. I saw it on one of your posts, at least, where you were yeah. doing a fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah, I have a link tree on my mm -hmm. Instagram that uh, links to the organization's page and to the uh, documentary that we did for our, my Across the Year 72-hour race. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So I saw that currently you're also, is it, let me make sure I get it right, Bethlehem Inn, you're doing a fundraiser for, is that correct? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my friend. Uh, he's okay. also the videographer for the documentary, Brandon oh. Stutz. Okay, cool. Uh, so Brandon, uh, so Brandon grew up with uh, homelessness and drug abuse within his household and Bethlehem Inn is a homeless shelter that his family lived in when he was 18. Wow. Um, decided to, I'm actually crew chiefing him for that once. So I'm super stoked for that. Oh, mm. wow. uh, he's doing something that I don't think has ever been done in the ultra world before. He's doing a hundred miler um, with 1000 pull-ups. Oh, a I thousand pull-ups. Yeah. Wow. So he does like a loop and then he does so many pull-ups so that it adds up to be a thousand pull-ups by the end. I did. I read this and I was like, oh, what? that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, three, we were doing the math on, we're like, yeah, we have, this is going to be like 48, 50 hours. 
going to be a long day. (laughs) Logistics are crazy for that, but basically it's a three mile loop and he's going to be doing around 30 pull-ups each time he comes into the the aid station that we have set up. Okay. Which that makes it more manageable. Cause like in my head, when I was reading about that, I was like, okay, so it's kind of split up, but it's, but I mean, cumulatively, that is a lot, but that's awesome. Cause like you said, you know, I think there's something to it when you are doing something really hard, like ultra running, adding into pull-ups, and it is uh, satisfying kind of an internal need to push yourself. But when you're also um, trying to elevate something that's bigger than you, like a charity, raising money for something, um, it it does kind of push you. I've, I've, you know, I've been in that situation and it does kind of give you this little boost of strength that maybe... Mm-hmm on your own you wouldn't have so that's awesome i can't wait to see how that does it does and like you said in your other podcast like to do a 100 mile or a 200 mile like you have to want it so bad like you really have to want it and you have to have this intrinsic motivation but having that sometimes like you're going through a low and that intrinsic factors just wear out and you're just like why like 60 to 80 mark uh, yeah, which I could is just like, sit down. Right. I could just sit down and go to sleep right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just thinking, why? And then, like, you think, well, man, like, who's watching me? The kids, you know, somebody who's looking for a blueprint to fix their life, you know, or find to find their story. Uh, like, there are people who somebody's watching always, you know, and you never know who you're inspiring. Actually, had somebody reach out to me um, a couple of weeks ago or who said that he's been following my story, complete stranger, following my story for a long time. And he says that I've helped him get out through a mental health rut. And he told me to just keep it up. And that made my whole week. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So since you're getting close to that, what, like one of your posts was dealing with stress at work. And so I'm wondering if you have some examples and things you could describe to the audience. Um, ways that you deal with stress at work or what what can bud do to de-stress at work so he's really interested in this one yeah. <laughs> i actually wrote an article about it too i'm a, I'm he's a, a writer, freelance. folks <laughs> I'm, I'm transitioning to being a professional writer and oh. i wrote about workplace stress um from my own experience because i had this I had this job in 2018 that was a job that caused pushed me to running oh, wow. <laughs> Literally, literally a job like to kind of put a perspective on it, literally a job that a person who's been working 40 years in the civil engineering industry said, this is the worst place I've ever worked. They don't even treat us like humans. Oh, man. I was like the two. It's like a small 20 person company. And I'm like one person doing like these big million dollar projects um, at like Los Angeles airport. And I made a mistake that cost the company thousands of dollars because they didn't, I didn't, this is something new and I'm like young and inexperienced and I have to figure this out on my own. And I basically had a panic attack in the conference room. Wow. <laughs> it was, that was like peak, peak, like that was the peak of it. And then like, I just sat there for a couple hours and I just had to work through it by myself. And then I realized that once all that settles, and you start to feel even halfway decent again, like it's all about breaking things down into small actionable items. There's actually 
a quote that goes around a lot. I think Rich Roll uses a lot. Mood follows action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realized that that even applies to ultras too. Like just like taking like that first step or like not thinking about like I've got this many miles to go or I've got this big task ahead of me and just thinking, well, okay, I need to fuel, I need to eat food, I need to um, send this email. Uh, then it's kind of the snowball effect and you start to like chip away at it and then you eventually start to feel better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Glad you're going to have to apply that mood yeah. follows action. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that to yourself at work. Yeah, yeah I feel I like mean... for my for myself personally, um, I'm not getting into a bad state of mind. I feel like I'm just in the pressure cooker all the time. And it's just like uh, every day it's like, okay, let's go to the grindstone or let's, you know, I have to to pick up the weight of the world on my shoulders. (laughs) And you've seen those, what, I don't know if you've seen those memes where it's like um, bad leadership. There was like a person standing on a sled and he's barking at people who are pulling the rope (laughs) and they're they're And, and that that's like bad leadership. And I'm like good leadership. So it's like me, I'm the guy who's pulling the load and I'm trying to get everyone else convinced to help me pull it, you know? And so it's like, I'm in a good state of mind, but it's like, my God, every day is like, we're pulling thousands of pounds of weight behind us, you know? uh, Leader thing, boss versus leader. Yeah. Boss versus leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what that meme is. That's so funny because I had that. I, I was just like, I put that picture in my cubicle. Um, <laughs> next day, and the next day I think I just moved it. <laughs> yeah, so so like your boss saw it, and he's like, "Wait a second. <laughs> that wasn't even the funniest one. The, there was a Snapple bottle. You know, sometimes uh-huh. the Snapple have like little quotes inside them, and it yeah. said, "And in, it's illegal to do work after hours." And I put that on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the awesome. Next day, it was gone. It's gone. Someone's <laughs> <laughs> been in my cubicle. It was like towards the end where I just did not care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh so, man, bud, it sounds like you but, just need to run some more, bud. Just you need to yeah. go run. <laughs> That's what it is. But I totally get the boss versus leader thing. Like I saw something similar like that, where like oh, it was like this video where a wolf is like, like. Could, like puts his paw through the ice and he's like nobody else drink i'm drinking and then another wolf like goes over somewhere else the leader and he breaks the ice and then he tells everyone else to go drink yeah yeah that's that's what it's like it feels like anytime we get our hands on some spoils it's like i have to pass it out to the group you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on everybody more, that's the answer yeah let's <laughs> <laughs> need to run more yeah i know like i feel like if i was a like a pirate or something and we got a bunch of booty or something i'd be passing it out to the crew and i would get nothing you would get nothing there's nothing left <laughs> before bud yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so on the topic of running i want to say so you you mentioned this about the dnf that ju- you're like fresh off a of dnf and i mean we've all been there like oh we're we, going to the dnf now well okay, okay listen i'm like the dnf queen like i got a lot because i feel like i like to fail big and i'm really good at it um 
But I like your Instagram posts. I, you know, obviously any DNF is disappointing, but I think you handled it so well. And I like what you wrote um, about it because, yeah, it's so disappointing. But, you know, some people get really hung up on DNFs and it kind of derails everything. But, you know, I like how you handled it. It's just like a blip on the radar and you're ready to rock and roll for your, your next event. So tell us, you mentioned it earlier, what is coming up next? Uh, so in four weeks, uh, I'm going back for my second Zion 100. Okay. So actually like 24 days. So there's really no time to really think about it. I'm yeah. just like, it's, well, I've like, I gave myself and it's just like, you know, like for every, anybody who has a DNF, like it's okay to mope about it for a while. You know, it's okay to be sad, upset, yeah. like just feel all the things like <laughs> go through all those like well what if I had done this like what if I hadn't yeah. taken a fall you know but and yeah. then just tell yourself what happened you know like for yeah. for our audience what what is the DNF story what's the story behind that race um so that race the antelope 100 beautiful race highly recommended to anyone Navajo Nation is beautiful the people were so welcoming mm. uh, mm. I I would go back those first 38 miles were brutal and beautiful and the most difficult 38 miles I've ever done to oh, start wow. any okay. like it was beach sand it was slick rock oh, wow. and lots and lots of slick rock um and it was like uh slot canyons with like bottleneck um so it was both brutal and beautiful so things are going good for me, conserving my pace, going at a decent pace until about like mile 23, where there's like some slick rock and there's like some, sand. there's like sand over everything. So the slick rock is slicker than usual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like taking my time coming down this climb, you know, it's like one of those steep inclines where you can't really find your footing, mm -hmm. even with like rock plate shoes. Um, and I didn't have my trekking poles at this point could because it's like very narrow these areas to navigate mm -hmm. um so i'm kind of using my arms to come down um just to kind of have that extra balance but um i just lost my footing and i fell i would say three maybe four feet mm -hmm. um and banged up my left knee uh Ooh. it uh it like i actually fell into like this prickly like bush Oh, which wow. stopped me, which basically probably now that I think about it, stopped me from uh, slamming my head on the slick rock. Oh, uh, wow. And I also put my arms up. So I came out with some cuts, but I protected my head. Yeah. Uh, Good. In the process of making that fall, I kind of like hyperextended my right hamstring. Yuck. Uh, Ooh. Mm -hmm. I came up like just adrenaline rushing. I just like popped back up and I'm like yeah. walking and I noticed that I'm like, limping a little bit and then it went you know it, i sort of got my footing again and i was running but it was like on and off constantly and i tried everything i could throughout the race to mitigate it mm -hmm. and i started to find my flow again at mile 47 and then at mile 55 i kind of stumbled i was losing my focus because it's starting to get dark and mm -hmm. it's like now it's like maybe nine or ten o'clock and i stumble again and i hyperextend the same hamstring Ooh. Ooh. And um, like after mile 58, each mile just got slower and slower mm. and slower. And it was about three miles to the aid station. Those were like, I kid you not, the longest miles that I've ever had any run. Uh, yeah. 
it was just like me by myself out in the darkness, like moonlight, just thinking about everything and just yeah. like 25 minute mile, 35 minute <laughs> mile, 30 minute yeah. mile. Oh. And just like the realization set in, like, I, 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 this is not a good idea. Like, maybe there is a chance that I could find a way to pull through or something, but at the risk of like maybe being hamstring injuries are no joke. So at the risk of like, yeah, the, being out for like the Moab 240 or any of the other races that I have coming up, it just doesn't, it just didn't make sense to keep going. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I find myself, um, when I've been in similar situations, that is exactly kind of the thought process. It's like, okay, maybe I could push through very slowly and painfully, but at what cost, you know, there goes my, whatever the future holds, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, having a true torn hamstring, a true injury would put you out for the rest of the year, maybe. Um, and so it's like, is it worth it to try to push through that or is it better to stop? So, yeah, I mean, obviously you made a good decision. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, I think that's, that's kind of, you know, a common thing in ultra running when you have something like that go wrong, you're always kind of weighing the pros and cons. Like, do I push through right. it and, and risk not being able to do anything else? Yeah. So that, that's a tough situation for sure. Yeah. And that's disappointing, but at the same time, like it's okay to feel those things and simultaneously also have gratitude for the growth experience that you just had. Um, like it's the quote from actually uh, that Brandon gave me from one of his favorite rappers, Russ. And he says in one of his songs, breakdowns create breakthroughs. Mm. And yeah. I've just, I've been thinking about that. Like I keep repeating that to myself and I realized mm. that those last three, four miles where I made that decision probably taught me more than some of my wins. Yeah. And you, so and you reached the point like when you were headed to that last aid station where you already knew that you were going to throw in the towel, right? You, yeah. Okay. You were just yeah. trying to make it back safely. And I was just get back safely. I actually had to stop a few times because it was yeah. just hurting bad. And I had people like amazing thing about this community. Like people just stop, put their hand on my shoulder and check on me. Do you need mm-hmm. someone to take you back? I said, no, I'll walk back, you know, but you're doing a great job. And, uh, you know, I always try to keep a positive demeanor, but I think at that point, like it was written all over my face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what kind of temptations did they have at the aid station? Like chairs and fire <laughs> and, you know, hot food. There, and what did they have? <laughs> thankfully, there was no fire, but they did have a nice like space heater. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Those How have gotten me feel? into trouble before, yes. <laughs> they have did they have blankets and stuff and nice people and food and you know hot cocoa or had, what did they have? They had nice people. It's both fortunate and unfortunate that I knew both the aid station captains because they were like <laughs> loops, like Age and Powell aid station were oh, okay. both okay. aid station captains. Um the one at Powell was actually the guy who the aid station captain that ran me into my first Sion 100, the, a race that I finished with only two minutes left. Oh, wow. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, so it was nice seeing him and um, he's going to be at Zion again. Um, but, you know, seeing those people made it even more tempting. I even walked in and I was like, I'm going to call it in. And he's like, no, you ain't. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
so you you fell you said it's about mile 23 that you fell and then you pushed through like because you then you said by like mile 47 it was hurting so I mean like you think about that time period that you were able to kind of mitigate it push through mentally physically like you're so right in like those last three miles you were saying were just horrible like I think we've all probably had that kind of situation where it was just like misery you know like so long it took so long and yeah but I mean you're right like you think back to those moments and it's like being able to overcome that and get through something that hard only makes you more resilient and stronger when it is time to enter the pain cave like in the next race or when something goes wrong the next time I think it really does help build just your inner strength overall mentally um, and hopefully you're recovering physically. Hopefully, like, you know. Oh, yeah, so I wanted to kind of talk about your rehab over the next month while you're getting ready for Zion. So what what have you done with your hamstring? Have you stretched it out? Have you done some recovery runs? What have you done? Um, for For my hamstring, like, I haven't, I'm not touching running for the next seven to ten days. Um, okay. Just a lot of cross training, starting with, like, upper body work. Uh, okay. I a lot of the stuff I do is like the unsexy work. It's not like the cool stuff that like you know box jumps and like the Olympic lifts and everything. It's a lot of like basic like ankle exercises, hamstring exercises, just simple mobility and rehab work. And I'm just like doing a little bit of that every single day. Um, just things that you can do to get one percent better every single day and just resting and eating like it's my job like you would yeah. after any big like this um I, and i then, like what you said there where you said getting one percent better every day and i think it's those little small steps and people may think they're going to turn it around overnight or they're going to like get this huge gain you know of recovery or something and you're just trying to get back little by little and not lose any ground you know mm-hmm. yeah it's the small i always believe that it's the small steps and it's just consistency like it's even just five minutes every day like my a lot of the leg and mobility work i do sometimes i only do five six minutes of mobility every single day like the hip openers and uh some like glute strength but uh, ankle mobility but i do it every single day and mm. then that 30, 35 minutes a day of quality mobility work. That's such a good point. I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, a lot of people, when you tell them or, you know, people suggest like, hey, to prevent injury, to do mobility or strength, they're like, well, I don't have time. Like, oh, I have to run so much. I don't have time. But, but you're right. It's just that consistent little chunks of time make a huge difference. It, they, they add up over time and you're consistent. And so, yeah, I think that's great because you really don't hear that enough. You know, people think you have to go in if you're going to weight lift or get, you know, injury prevention. You got to do the Olympic lifts and you got to do all the crazy stuff. And, and it's so not true. It just takes a little bit, but consistently done. So, yeah, I think that's important to point out. I love yeah. That. And also just like not being afraid to like look like a beginner. Like I avoided yoga and mobility. Mm-hmm stuff like that for the longest time because I just did not want to look stupid but <laughs> then, <laughs> you know I started picking it up and uh, it's it's amazing like uh, my first 100 my first set of ultras I started ultra running September 2020 
Uh, my hips would tighten up so much. And after putting in the work for mobility and my hip flexors and single legged strength, like the improvements are exponential. Um, and it's just like five minutes. Sometimes it's just five minutes a day. Um, yeah. be, uh, Candace actually said something about that in the post a long time ago. It was like, stop thinking about what's the maximum you can do every single day or like what's the most you can do. Start thinking about what's the minimum you'll do every single day. Like what's the bear? Yeah, yeah. And that's so important because, yeah, I mean, I hear it all the time, you know, even myself. I hear it from myself. <laughs> like, oh, you don't have time for that. Yeah. So, I love that. Like five so you just you just name dropped. So that's Candace from Destination Trail Races. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So for our listeners, so they'll know. Yeah. And so and so Candace is who puts on. So the next year, I think we were chatting is the Triple Crown. So tell us the, the Triple Crown, because I don't even know how many people actually do that. I mean, I know it's a thing. So tell us about the Triple Crown and when you're going to do it. Um, so I actually did say triple crown, but I'm actually doing uh, what is going to be called what I guess people are unofficially calling the Grand Slam of 200s now. Oh, OK. So I'm doing Cocodona, Tahoe, Bigfoot and Moab. Oh, um, whoa. Wow. OK, I get it. Yeah, that's awesome. Disclaimer it is a little bit different this year than the first triple crown now that they moved Tahoe to June. So now all of the races are like eight weeks apart instead of the okay. four weeks before but um i know that the triple crown up to this point has less than 100 completions okay uh, i didn't know that and i think the grand slam probably has uh way less i do know one person who finished the grand slam last year oh um, wow yeah so it's just uh it's exciting and he's a through hiker he's not really an ultra runner so for him he was like hmm. I know who you're talking about. I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I remember his story because I remember him finishing Cocodona 250. And I was like, what? He was like a through hiker. I think I told you about this, but I don't remember now. Um, but I was so fascinated by that. So he did the Grand Slam. That's amazing. I love that. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I'm definitely going to follow you and might oh, yeah. possibly be out there for some of it. I don't know. It's something yeah. I always I always like. <laughs> um, so awesome. Yeah, uh, but I, I wish that you get and I pray that you get good weather and that, you know, everything just cooperates because it's it's beautiful country out there. All those races and yeah. um, the weather's totally out of your control. Wildfires are out of your control. Uh, you know, you can do as much training as you want and get as prepared as you want. But there's some things that don't they're they're not in your wheelhouse They're You know, it's up to the the elements. You know, you yeah. can't. You can't predict what the weather's going to be like a year from now. You you have no idea. And I think that ties, I think that's a good point because that ties into like everything talking about work and everything is mm -hmm. one of the things that really helps me. Uh, help me with like doing with like mental health and everything is control what you can control. Yeah, uh, that's why I think that's why I like running so much because it's running and working out because it's a choice that I can make it's a factor that a variable that I can control in my life where there's in our lives where there's so many things that are unpredictable and there's so many highs and lows, but it's something that you can, you can have this constant variable of like, I'm going to do this all the time. You know, I'm going to get this run in no matter what late at night, early in the morning, but I'm going to get it done. 
Oh, I love that because I, I kind of, I've never thought about it that way. But when I look at my own life, that is so true. It's like the one thing I can really control because there's really, there's really not much we can control. Uh, and so that makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, I feel like I'm in the, like, I'm laying on the couch getting psychoanalyzed here about my <laughs> running because it so <laughs> makes sense to me when you say that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, uh, but what questions do you have? I see you okay, so, burning. Okay, so, right, I have a lot. I've been, I've been <laughs> saving been thinking them. Of because, right. So we're going to talk awesome. about cool stuff now, okay? Or <laughs> stuff I like. So uh, you've got earbuds in, and do you listen to music when you're running? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, he's nodding his head yes. So I, I yeah. need to know what, because, you know, no one else can see that but me. <laughs> I'm, uh... So I haven't, I identify as a music hoarder. <laughs> okay, well, so really... I'm, I'm an audiophile, so I listen to yeah, all kinds of stuff, but yeah. you tell, tell <laughs> me, because you're scratching, you're scratching an itch for me. You said you're not a music hoarder, but that means you probably have a bajillion songs, right? No, no, I, I am a music hoarder, but I think audiophile okay. might be the term for it <laughs> but okay. uh, oh no this, this I, podcast the same. took a turn <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i listen to like if i find a song that i think is like cool like i just i add it to my playlist i have a playlist on youtube music called mishmash hodgepodge like it's everything <laughs> i've got <laughs> yeah like so have I've you got, noticed like, that, that music sorry well go go ahead say what you were gonna say then i'll say mine <laughs> go ahead I was just going to say, I got like meditation music, like theme songs from shows and like, <laughs> I've got like, I've got like, sometimes I need like that pump up and I have like the certain songs that like hit like Enter Sandman and like Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I just need like my hip hop fix, you know, I need like my Eminem or something. Yeah. yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah. That's funny. But then you also have like stuff that's. A totally different genre of music, right? That's like you you wouldn't even people wouldn't most people who <laughs> listen to Guns and Roses, they don't listen to the other stuff that I like, you know? Exactly. And so, but I do, because like as an audiophile, you you appreciate all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, I'll have like weird oldies or some kind of, you know, muddy waters or something like you know, like old blues or you know, Mississippi Delta kind of old music. Yep. And then I'll also have like modern hip hop and I'll have rock music and, you know, classic rock or even, you know, grunge metal, just everything, man. And it's just in, all in over ultra, the place. The in an ultra, like in an ultra, it's just like food, you know, like you never know what you're going to crave. So you might as well just yeah. have your everything on said. Sometimes it's not even just music. Sometimes it's, um, podcasts like sometimes i'll throw on the pot but at night it's <laughs> it's definitely music <laughs> that's yeah funny. that's awesome yeah. but it's always sending me things like have you ever listened to this have you ever listened <laughs> to this i'm like well send it over probably not <laughs> well, you're gonna have to send me your playlist <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. so do you like do you like gorillas i do i i love gorillas yeah <laughs> no, you me made too, me, me listen too. to that, but I do remember. Yeah, I know, and it Avi yeah. went crazy. He was like, "Yeah, one of my kids this? was." He's like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh man, 
man. Y'all are going to have to like share playlists and stuff and <laughs> geek out <laughs> over music. Yeah. No, wait. So do you, do you, do you play any music? Do you play instruments or anything? Me? No, no, I don't have a talented bone in my body for music unless you count <laughs> voice impersonations that I do when I'm like off my rocker. <laughs> during an ultra. So during, during I, you sh- of an ultra. yeah, you shouldn't have said voice impressions on a podcast because now I think we need a sample. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so at my 72 hour race after my yeah. after Valley Fire, like my hundred at my 72 hour race, like across the years, the entire third night. I felt bad for Brandon because he must have had five hours of footage that he made into an 18 minute documentary and he couldn't get anything third night because every time because every time I saw him, I'd be like, hi, Brandon. Our biggest one was always the Arnold impersonation. <laughs> we always do Arnold. So I'm always like, we got to go. Yeah, we got to get to the potatoes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love this. No. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is so great. But see, that keeps uh, it fun. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, you know, I also heard somebody, I don't know if this was on a podcast, they were saying, and maybe you could try this for your next ultra. Their pacer, well, I know what it was. It was like, remember the ultra sign up awards and they they had silly things like pacer of the year. And the guy was like, he will sing. He'll take show tunes or songs and he'll make them about ultra running where it's like, I wear my headlamp at night, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that is the best idea. So, bud, get ready (laughs) for the next hundred. But I was like, that's such a good idea because it really like doing the the impressions, um, so that's doing like, a, like voiceovers, doing all yeah. that. It like takes your mind well, out of kind of the current pain. When you change the the lyrics, yeah, that that's like those Weird Al kind yeah. of songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So get ready, next yeah. hundred. It's it's voice impersonations and it's like dad jokes and it's. But I mean, like you know, for however intense my posts can be, like uh, I know I make some really intense posts and stuff like that, but I have to say, like, there's no way you can do these things if you're taking yourself like super seriously. It's already hard enough. Don't make it harder. On That's yourself. right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it, your nature, you're in these amazing trails. Like, it's it's just have fun and yeah. like don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Oh, I so agree. I love that. I love that you have that, that you go to kind of overnight during ultras. That's so fun. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm continuing on my questions because this is my oh, okay, segment go now. Ahead, okay. Go ahead. So what kind of running watch is that you're wearing? Oh, this I'm wearing yeah. the Coros Apex. Coros. Okay. Same Just, here. I, love, I love the battery life. Like I was out there for 36 hours in my first sound 100 and I still had on GPS mode. I still had 12% left. Yep. Okay. Uh, and 70 Coros, hour rate. Coros oh, uh, didn't 70, get, uh, I'm sorry. Go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> I was just saying the 72 hour race, I only had to charge it like once. Okay. And, but yeah, you were saying. Well, do you remember like all the, I'm, I'm sure just like me, you're a member of all these weird running pages and stuff. And all those damn people were crying and whining about Garmin losing service and all this crap that was going on for years. Garmin you know? outage. <laughs> yeah, Garmin outage. <laughs> the, the 
Dick, come on, do something. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Dick, come on, do something. Yeah. Well, I had the Sunto where it was like before I had Koros where, I mean, you, you didn't connect to anything, okay? Like it didn't connect to Strava. It may, may take like six months to get <laughs> an upload. So finally I was like, I'm getting something better. And yeah, and sometimes Koros came out, yeah. And most of the time would not connect to GPS or anything else oh anyway. Oh my gosh, never. Oh, it's so <laughs> annoying. Oh. Yeah. Koros. That's, that's right, funny. Yeah. Okay, um, so like what's your typical running attire what kind of shoes you like uh so i'm actually a so actually as of december i'm a sponsored athlete by merrill there oh, you go cool. cool uh i wear and i'm not just saying this because i'm sponsored i used before i was sponsored by merrill i was wearing saucony iso peregrines okay. um the cool thing about moving to merrill is that saucony and merrill are actually like sister brands they're both owned by wolverine their okay. composition is very similar. So as far as like my trail shoes right now, I go with the Merrill Agility Peak 4s. Um, the, they're, those are the ones with like the PWR, like rock plates. Those are my mm -hmm. hardcore running shoes. And they're like this nice orange color. So they like, every time someone sees them, they're like, whoa, you know? Yeah, they yeah. stand out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's so... very interesting to me because I will say I've never ran in Merrill trail shoes However, before I was a runner, mm -hmm. Merrill was the only hiking boots I ever wore. I love Merrill. So this is like making my wheels turn like maybe. Yeah. So them. are they are they like gaining market share in the trail running world? Yeah, they actually uh, reached out to me because of an article I wrote and they saw like the races that I'd done and kind of my story. So I got reached out to by a Merrill rep um, and she basically told me that they're trying to build a Merrill Trail team in the U.S. They have international apps, and mostly everyone on their retainer is like a sky runner or like shorter distance runner. So they were looking for somebody in the longer distance game and somebody with a story that kind of resonates with like I guess the average person because that's their target audience. Um, and I it, it blew my mind too uh, because I had known Merrill for so many years as somebody who had been through hiking. For a few years before I started ultra running, and so I knew them for their hiking boots, and mm -hmm. so they're trying to expand kind of their popularity in the trail running world. Yeah, um, I love those uh, kind of stories, and I and I love so I'm a small business guy, and so our our company that I work for it's it's small, and so I love these stories of of people gaining market share. You know, taking on the big guys. You know, I love that. Yeah, even, they, even though she, it's a totally different, uh, it's totally totally different market than what I'm in. You know, we're we're selling chemicals, and these guys are selling shoes. But it's like, you know, take on Nike, take on, you know, whoever. You know, I like yeah. It. And actually, that's that's what she said. She's like, uh, we're gonna our way of competing with Solomon and uh, Patagonia and like some of the bigger brands is their approach is looking for more story driven athletes. Uh, uh, people who kind of resonate with the audience of not somebody who's necessarily been on track and field their whole life, but somebody who is trying to get themselves outdoors mm -hmm. and experience nature uh, and realize that anybody can do it. Yeah. Oh, so I would give, if I could give advice to a running shoe company, here's what it is. Maybe they'll listen to you. Okay. <laughs> and maybe you can tell them. But 
what frustrates me the most is when you find the shoe you like and then they change it. Change it. They fuck it up. They change it. (laughs) Or, or, you know, I know that they, they may want to improve things. So that way everyone's like, Oh, I'm gonna get the latest model. I'm gonna get the latest model. But me, I'll still buy the same shoe. I'll buy 20 pairs of them, but I I want it to be the same. So the shoe that I fell in love with today I want to buy it 10 years from now and I want it to be the same, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like my, it's like my, my thing, you know, yeah. it's like when, when, when we drank Coca-Cola 20 years ago, I want it to be the same today as it was back then. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want it to change. Not the same. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I, well, and I think that's just a trend that all shoe companies do. I mean, at least, well, I'm a, so I, I typically run in Solomon and I tell you, yeah. they keep changing them well, <laughs> all the time. I just stop changing them. Yeah. So like the, the Nike Air Jordan 10, that's my shoe. Okay. For like basketball from, you know, junior high school or whatever. <laughs> Do not, you, you can still buy that. Okay. They still make that. And they, you can still buy like the Air Jordan ones or something. You can get every model you wanted for the last 15 years or something when they were producing them. And so whichever one was your thing, you can still get it. And, th- and that's what I like. So, um, you know, I wish you could buy like the ultra superior threes, you know, the ones that I used to like. Oh yeah. They, they, what are they on? Like four and a half, five and a half. I don't know what they're at, what version they're on now, but they don't have it anymore. Uh-huh. Everything's different. So yeah. I know. So fine. They well, you know, they keep trying to improve them. So maybe when they feel like it's improved the right amount, then they stick with it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So what kind of socks are you wearing? Uh, so I I, ba- I bounce around between Injinji socks um, okay. and Bolega socks. Uh, mm-hmm. I usually, for this last race, just because they were higher socks and because I was trying to keep the sand, and that sand got mm-hmm. everywhere. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That sand gets everywhere at Antelope. But yeah, I wore my Injinji socks to start out. Um, and then I switched over to Bolegas later because they had more mm-hmm. cushion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I usually just balance those two socks um, and use a lot of trail toes or happy toes. Okay. You got any other part of your running outfit you want to share with us? What kind of shorts you like? What kind of? Um, as far as shorts uh, and shorts and shirt, there's nothing too significant. <laughs> but as but for my vest, I like to wear Nathan. Uh, okay. Nathan, Twelve liter. And I always like to put like in a little like laminated uh, laminated folder. I like to put like a picture of the cause that I'm running for. In this mm-hmm. case, like I have one for Redstone, and I actually had maybe 15, 20 people throughout the race ask me what that picture was on the back, and they're like, a couple of them actually asked, like, are those your kids? And I'm like, in a manner of speaking, yeah, they're all my kids. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's that's a cool, cool way to put it. I yeah, like well, yeah. and it's a good way to raise awareness because people are. They're like, oh, what's going on here? And it kind of drives the conversation. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Even so, just that was like, that was the other thing about that race. Just to, just a really quick tangent was that like, 
the fact that I was able to even raise awareness with 15, 20 people like that. Um, yeah. And also just do the things I normally do to keep a smile, tell jokes, uh, have a positive attitude, actually pick up runners lost items. I found a flask oh, wow. and like some really expensive looking glasses that I took to the aid <laughs> station um, and just picking trash off the trail. Like just that to me, that's like a big part of like, um, yeah, like for me, like achieving my goals out there mm-hmm. is being the same consistency in like those principles. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So what is your like recovery food? What is the thing like when you're going to treat yourself when it's like, okay, my race is done. I completed something. I'm going to go pig out. What is, what is that going to be? What's that food? In, in the words of Arnold, potatoes. <laughs> potatoes? <laughs> All the carbs. <laughs> potatoes. Like, if there's any food before, during, and after that my body is always able to handle, except yeah. for whatever reason in this last race, um, yeah. it's 99% of the time it's potatoes. Um, and so it'll be like a good burger and fries, like, mm, and a good okay. plant based because I'm a plant based eater, but okay. like, good burger and like you could give me French fries all day after a race, but after so that, like, are we talking like, about are we talking about a, a a burger made with vegetable based meat, or are you talking like like beef? What are you talking about? Oh, vegetable based meat. Okay. Um, yeah, and then just fries. Actually, fries would be the main thing in all that. It's just it's potatoes for me. The so fries, yeah. Yes. All right. So I, fries of, good right now. <laughs> <laughs> of of the alternative vegetable based meats that you can have a burger made from, there's several brands that are out there, right? And so, um, do, are you familiar with all of them? Where we can discuss them and give opinions to the uh, audience. There's the two the two biggest ones right now uh, would probably be Impossible and Beyond. Mm. Okay. Uh, over the last there's everyone else has started making their own meats, but typically restaurants usually carry beyond an impossible. Um, I like beyond beyond. Okay, is my was, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm, I do have some stock in beyond and it's not I, doing what I wanted to do. And I need people everybody to go buy, out and buy beyond. Yes. I need people to buy this. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Okay, that's good uh, to know because I'm, I, you know, um, I used to be a plant based eater, now I'm not, but I've often thought, like, I wonder which one's the best because I, yeah, you know, you see it and it's kind of the impossible was all the rage for a little bit, but the beyond, okay. I'm, I'm yeah, well, I was, uh, well, I was never like, I never actually ate meat except for a few weeks in high school. I actually oh, wow. grew up, I actually grew up vegetarian mm-hmm. and my family's vegetarian for a few mm-hmm. generations. So when I actually tried to eat meat, it upset my stomach and it like I just didn't have the bacterial make to handle it. Like yeah. I have to be like somebody would have to like you're lifting weights, like feed me a little bit steak every single. <laughs> yeah, <week>. it makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I realized, you know, as a lot of people in Asian genetics do and a lot of people in general, like I became more and more lactose intolerant mm-hmm. um, and been more so over the last year, year and a half. I had really bad GI issues at Zion and my 24-hour race after that and um, decided to go straight into plant-based eating. And ever since then, like GI issues have been under control and the recovery has been fantastic. Oh, that's wow. Good. Yeah, that's good. 
but I think everyone is, it's, you know, I've seen people with like all kinds of different dads. Like you've got Mike McKnight, the low carb runner, like he's doing that thing for him. And um, I think it's just figuring out the formula that works for your body. Yeah, so true. Everyone's like an experiment of one. And so it is so true. You know, what works for someone else may not work well for you. But yeah, I think mm. once you find it, like what works for you, like, you know, like, okay, like you said, your recovery, you feel good, no GI issues. And I think that's what everybody's hoping for. They're hoping to find the right, you know, nutrition style that suits their body. I'm kind of in that same situation where I'm just now <laughs> figuring it all out. And yeah. making and kind of, you know, doing what's right for my body. It can be a journey. Yeah. But okay. just to just to add like to what I eat for recovery. Um yeah. after I'm done treating myself or um having like whatever I want, I always kind of go back to like high nutrition food. Like I just lots of greens, like lots of like lots of fruits, like lot drink lots of water and um you know, it's just, it's hard to do things like this. Mm. Uh, like it, it catches up to you when you're like not eating food that's a higher nutritional value per calorie. Like yeah. just want to give my body the best feel possible to have the best success possible and also just recover faster so I can get back out there and run again. Yeah. I so, yeah. so agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, bud. One more question. I've got a lot more. I'm sorry. Wait, no, you're going to have to pick one. <laughs> one more. Oh, man. That's most important, bud. Or well. Two. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I can't. I can't do just one. I, I, I have oh, to do two. Okay. okay, two. Two. All right. So tell, tell me about your sister. Uh, about my sister? Yeah, I've, yeah. Got four, I've got four sisters. They're like the best thing in my life. So uh -huh. tell me about your sister. Oh, my sister. Well, I was like, she's like kid for me in a sense, because it's it's just it's a weird thing, right? Because I'm only six years older than her, but um I remember seeing her in diapers and now she's like twenty-two years old and I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So we always had like a unique relation because of our upbringing. We always had a unique relationship as far as like siblings go. Like I was just like third parent, you know? Um, and she's just like, she's, she's a real creative, like she's a really good dancer and like, she's really talented in the arts and, um, everything you're just, not, <laughs> everything, <laughs> I'm not. everything I'm not, everything I'm not. So you got, you got the math and she got everything else. What happened? I never said I had math. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was so bad at math. <laughs> well, I was assuming because you were in engineering or something that you're somehow better at math. I don't know. No, no. It was, <laughs> I, I, uh, I sort of got that degree out of spite, but that was a whole different. <laughs> they said that I couldn't do it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but she is, uh, she wants to, she has this dream of like being an actress and oh, she's cool. a, and I told her, just shoot the moon ball. Like my one of my yeah. quotes recently that people, I don't know, people say this is something I say a lot, but it's just send it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just send it. Like if even if you fail, no matter what happens, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to learn yeah. something and it'll, it'll 
one door always leads to another door. Like there's always other opportunities that come up and the universe takes care of all of us. That's cool. So I have um, two, two sisters that are close to me in age. And then um, there's about a 15 year gap. And then I've got two little ones that they're not little now. I mean, hell, they're 28, 30 years old now, but yeah, they're, yeah, they're over 30 years old. <laughs> the the babies are 30. Um, but I've got 18 years difference between me and my youngest sister, um, which is quite a gap. So we we always refer to them as like the second litter that my parents had. <laughs> <laughs> Version 2.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did not have the same upbringing that the older ones did. We We grew up back when you could ride a bicycle without a helmet when you could, you know, stay out all day in the summertime. Your parents didn't know. They didn't give a shit where you were. They, you would just, you'd come home when it was dark and we would, Man. yeah, it was in the eighties and no one cared. <laughs> and then my younger sisters. Too long had, ago for us. They what? <laughs> that wasn't too long ago for us either. And then yeah. the internet sort of happened when we were growing up, like I'm 28. So internet sort of happened like, halfway through our childhood <laughs> but we had the water gun like the biking without helmets and stick lights yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah and we, the i mean we would digital. yeah we'd ride in the back of pickup trucks with no oh, seat yeah. just in the back where you put like boards and shit <laughs> and that's what we would do everyone would and I, I didn't you know now it's like totally illegal to not have a seat belt <laughs> and everything else but did you find that out the hard way <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh okay gosh. um i have so i have to ask you about like we were talking about food and i was hoping you were going to tell me something about indian food is there any way you could do that about indian food yeah uh i could give you my americanized immigrant kid definition of indian food. <laughs> we'll take well, it. So, <laughs> so like when i grew up my my best friend was indian and so his mom would cook for us all the time and and so I was just um, and so uh, I'm half Italian, half Mexican. And when they would go to Indian parties and stuff, I would tag along and just pretend I was part of the family. And so it would just like slip right in. And so I, I knew all these people and they just thought I was like one of their kids, maybe. <laughs> but um, I'm. I, I like the butter chicken. That's my favorite dish. Um, and I know you don't eat meat, so tell me, tell me what you like. Uh, I like uh, chana masala. It's like okay. a chickpeas-based dish. Um, mm -hmm. But one of my favorite people think like there's some people who think we have this like all the time, but like samosas are, the uh, they're like these potato fritter pastries. Um, every single person who was on my crew got supplied samosas and i had them drink my ultras too and everyone loves them they're <laughs> <laughs> uh, just they're potato fritters um you have them with like a cilantro sauce cranberry sauce and they're like my absolute favorite i will say that is like one of my favorites and i've actually tried to make my own uh they didn't turn out quite so good but uh -huh. <laughs> maybe i need to try again <laughs> but i do love those and you know saying that I'm like that's like the perfect ultra food like it just like dawned on me like hmm. the wheels are turning bud for my next yeah. <laughs> uh, 
They're at all. They're in all my ultra food pantries. So okay. <laughs> I'm serious, bud. Like the hundred miler. Mm. Maybe I need to learn. I need to retry. It's been a while. I'm a better. I, I would like to think I'm a better cook now than in my younger days. So maybe <laughs> I should give it another shot. Uh, oh yeah, it's like the perfect ultra food. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gonna make it happen, bud. Maybe you should make it happen, bud. Since you're I can like make my it happen. Pacer. You make yeah. it happen. I'm gonna run. I can make it happen. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna run, yeah. and you're gonna make that happen, bud. <laughs> I, I can learn how to cook. I can do okay. it. Okay. All right. I'm gonna let you do it. Could be scary. Yeah. Um, oh I don't gosh. know. I don't have any more questions. Uh, can you think of anything, Lauren? Well, we've been talking for a long time. So I yeah. just want to say that I'm so glad that um, we were able to get you on the podcast. And so mm-hmm. I just want to like, again, everyone who's listening, go take a look. We will link um, when we get this podcast up, we'll have the links for your Instagram so people can check it out and follow along. Because I do think talking about like the Grand Slam, like, that is so awesome. I'm definitely going to be following along. And of course, um, you know, with the charities uh, and people can take a look at those, they can donate, they can share. But yeah, your Instagram overall is so inspiring. So, you know, we'll have everybody check it out. But yeah, I don't know, man. Good luck with everything. So next month, another 100 miler coming up. So we'll be uh, following along for sure. Um, I don't know, bud. Anything else? Hmm. No, no, I don't really have anything else. But I'm, I'm pretty good. It up. I can't believe it. Usually, Bud, I have to cut him off because he has well, so many questions. But okay, well, I would, well, you told me about your favorite running vest, so I'm going to plug mine. Okay, okay Bud, so, tell us about your favorite running here, vest. Yeah, here in the Forerunner with me. I'm in my mobile studio called the Forerunner, and uh, uh-huh. this is a orange mud uh, vest pack, is what they call it. So you got your bottles that you wear on your back, but then it's got like um, two little pockets in the front that go kind of on your chest. Are you are you familiar with Orange Mud? Oh, yeah, I've actually looked into them a few times. They they got like they're kind of like a a fad type deal. This vest pack here is uh, once you get used to the bottles in the back. I love bottles. So I, I come from like the triathlon world. And so these are like bike bottles, basically. And so they're so super easy to fill. It's not like a bladder where you have to like take all this shit off and unbuckle it and get it filled up. You can see how much water you've got. They don't slosh around. And uh, the only thing about this pack is you don't have any real storage for like a bunch of stuff. If you were going to have like rain jacket or extra gloves or a hat or whatever, you know, normally on your 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 traditional running vest or whatever you've got more space to store stuff so this is only for like if you're um you know summertime or whatever because you know you don't have anywhere to shed layers and store them i I will say i like the orange mud for summertime wear because i feel like they're like a minimalist vest there's not a lot of material they're lightweight so yeah they have they serve a good purpose yeah maybe not for 100 miler i mean some people do yeah yeah compared to like my Solomon advanced skin 12 or whatever they call that thing. You can like put so much crap oh, in there. Keep, that you, It's like Mary Poppins yes. bag. You can just shove yeah. it full. <laughs> full of Everything stuff. is so stretchy. You know, it, when you start out with like whatever it is, like 40 ounces of water, you end up with now you've got a pack that's got 
30 pounds of crap in it that you don't need. The maximalist, I guess you would call that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, this has been fun and this is awesome. We're definitely going to be following along. Hopefully our listeners will be too. And uh, we'll have to have you back. Okay. So like mm-hmm. after your grand slam, you're going to come back and you're going to tell us all about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Does your family follow your running? Does your sister come to your races? Does anyone even care? Or is oh, it like my come- family? No one cares. They come to some of my races, but I don't like other than the 72 hour race, they can't 100 percent always comprehend what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, I mean, that's a big commitment. Ultra running's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but they're they're inspired by it and they're making healthy choices. And that's uh, all that matters to me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Awesome. All right, guys, this has been so great. Uh, and we are going to have you back next year. Uh, yeah. So for everybody listening, go check out Ohm. And uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Ohm. Thank right. you, Lauren. Bye. Good night. Bye bye. Good night. Bye.